the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You see, we have an old nature. There's things we do and things we say. And, and studies tell us that in order for us to change old habits, we have to overwrite them with new habits. And it has to be a conscientious effort, and it takes time to do it, sometimes months. But we have the help as believers of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely, and he's back with his ongoing study in the book of Colossians on this broadcast we call Study Verse by Verse, an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Pastor Leighton is in the third chapter of the book of Colossians, if you'd like to follow along, a chapter that speaks specifically about holy living. And with some of the guidelines, here's Pastor Leighton. Verse 8, but now you have put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. And so now he turns his attention towards uh, manifestations of anger which destroy relationships and community. We're to put them away. It means to disrobe, and the language is probably derived from the rite of baptism in which a person took off their clothes before baptism, and when they came out of the waters, they didn't put on the same clothes. They put on clean clothes. And it, it tells us that we need to divest ourselves of the old ways. What are we put off? Well, anger and wrath. And I put them together because they're similar, but they're different. Wrath translates the word thumos, as in thumonuclear war. And it describes um, anger that is quickly kindled and quickly dies. In fact, it was described uh, uh, in, by the Greeks as though it was a fire put to straw. You know, if you put a fire on straw, how quickly it, it lights up and, and how quickly it goes out. And what it's describing is someone who has a short temper. And then the word anger is translated orgy, which describes a long-lasting, smoldering, slow-burning anger. It's somebody who just nurses something inside a desire to get even. And what he's saying here is for the Christian, it doesn't matter if you have a short temper or a long temper, you shouldn't have a temper. Now there is a place for righteous anger. Remember that Jesus was angry at the Pharisees because of the hardness of their heart, and that was not a sinful anger. The problem is that we get angry over the wrong things. You see, when we're angry, our ability to think clearly is compromised. And we can easily persuade ourselves that whatever we're angry about is justified in God's sight. And we have to be very, very careful that that does not take place. And then he says we're to put off malice. Malice is an attitude of ill will towards someone else. It's, to, it's being sad if they're successful or being rejoicing when they have trouble. It is wanting something bad to happen to someone else. And it's important for, Christians, for us to know that Christian speech is not measured solely by whether or not it's true or false, but also by whether it helps or harms someone else. 
Pastor David Smith was in journalism before he came into ministry, and he explained that a publication can speak the truth and still be sued for slander or libel if malice is evident. The textbook phrase is, truth is a defense against libel or slander unless the one bringing the lawsuit can prove malice. You can say the truth and still be guilty of doing it maliciously. Malice is a deliberate attempt to harm someone else. And we can harm someone else by either telling the truth or telling lies and gossips and spreading rumors. And it often manifests itself through slander, which is why slander is next in the list. Now, the Greek word slander is blasphemia, from which we get the English word blasphemy. And when it's used in relationship with God, it's translated blasphemy. But when it's used in relationship to people, as it is here, it's translated slander. And to slander people is effectively to blaspheme God because people are created in God's image. And such talk should not be tolerated or treated lightly. The Lord warned in Matthew 5.22, Whoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be guilty before the Supreme Court, and whoever shall say you fool shall be guilty enough to go into fiery hell. In other words, people are to be treated with dignity because they are all made in the image of God. And a believer's speech must never be disparaging towards someone else. Sometimes malice can masquerade as spiritual concern, like as in prayer teams and prayer requests and stuff like that, where we share uh, something that somebody else is going through. If we don't do it with a pure heart and exercise some wisdom in when, where, how, and with whom we say it, we are guilty of malice and obscene talk from your mouth, filthy language, foul speech, coarse humor, obscene language, abusive language. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. And salt was a symbol of purity. And what he was saying here is and grace and purity go together. Our Lord warned us that every careless word that men shall speak, they shall render an account for on the day of judgment. We need to be careful about what we say. And if we've got a foul mouth, we need to clean it out. Some of us need to soap our own mouths. We need to listen to what we say and clean up our vocabulary. Verse 9, do not lie to one another. You see, Satan is a liar. He is the master liar. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And when a believer lies, they're cooperating with Satan. And when they're speaking the truth, they're cooperating with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth. Lying to others disrupts unity and relationships by destroying trust. It tears down relationships. It destroys marriages, it destroys families, it destroys church families. We should not lie to one another. And lying can take place in what is said, depending on how it's said, how it's twisted, or in what's left unsaid. All healthy relationships are based on trust. Trust is based in truth. Lies undermine the foundation of all relationships. Now, these last things, these last three, all have to do with speech, and if we turn them from the negative to the positive, we find that a Christian speech must be kind, that any slanderous or malicious talking is forbidden. And one way of doing that is by asking three questions before, before we open our mouth and, 
And that is, is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? And by the time we've asked and answered those three questions, we have thought before we speak, which is always a wise and prudent thing to do. And then Christian speech must always be pure. We need to get the unclean, impure words out of our vocabulary. And Christian speech must be true. We must never distort the truth. Continues on, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. You see, we have an old nature that, uh, that, that, is, that is controlled. We, we have developed certain habits. There's things we do and things we say. And, uh, and, and studies tell us that in order for us to change old habits, we have, to be, we have to overwrite them with new habits. And it has to be a conscientious effort, and it takes, it takes time to do it. Sometimes weeks or sometimes months. But we have the help as believers of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And because we are alive in Christ, we must seek things that are above. And because we have died with Christ, we need to put off things that belong to the past life, the sinful life. And there should be a change when a person becomes a believer. They should become a changed person. And if they haven't changed, they, they really need to evaluate and examine the truthfulness, the reality of their salvation. This change is progressive. It is continual. We grow until we reach Christ-likeness. And it's a lifelong process. Warren Wiersbe wrote, The Greek words translated put off and put on indicate a once-for-all action. When we trust Christ, we put off the old life and put on the new. The old man has been buried and the new man is now in control. The crisis or event of salvation leads to the process of sanctification becoming more like Jesus Christ. Now the Greeks had two different words for new. The word naos meant new in time. The word kainos meant new in quality, fresh. And sometimes the two words were used interchangeably in the New Testament. There is a fundamental difference. The believer has once and for all put on the new man, naos, new in time. And as a consequence, he is being renewed. Kainos, new in quality. There is a change in quality, for he is becoming like Jesus Christ. The new man is Jesus Christ, the last Adam, the head of the new creation. He wrote, We are formed in God's image and deformed by sin. But through Christ Jesus, we can be transformed into God's image. God transforms us by the renewing of our minds. And this involves the study of God's Word. It is the truth that sets us free from the old life. And that's why when we come together week after week, we study God's Word. And Lord, we are so very, very thankful that you have given us your Word and given us your Spirit. Because your Word provides such clarity of understanding for what is truly important and eternal. But Lord, if it wasn't for your Holy Spirit, it would just be words on a page. We would not understand it. We would not appreciate it. But it's because of the work of your Holy Spirit bringing life, spiritual life, where there was only spiritual death, and spiritual light, where there was only spiritual darkness, we can know and understand and appreciate 
your word for us. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. And thank you, Lord, for adopting us. Thank you, Lord, for preparing a place where we're going to enjoy you and each other for all eternity. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Oh, how I love the way the congregation is always so appreciative of the teaching from Pastor Layton. You've been listening to another study in the book of Colossians on this broadcast we call Study Verse by Verse on the web at studyversebyverse.com. You can join with us as a prayer partner and a financial partner when you go to that website, again, studyversebyverse.com. This is an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, and they're on the web at highlands.us. You can find all of the details about the church, of course, the location, how you get to the campus, and uh, information on the different ministries available and the times for the services, both Saturday and Sunday. That's highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Have a great rest of your day. We'll continue in the book of Colossians with a new message at this same time tomorrow, and I hope you can join us when we'll come back and study verse by verse.